on. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people blind peace, red banshee, something moving quickly. Greg and I had the privilege of sitting down and spending an evening with Sean Lassiter. Sean is a loving father, a creative talent, a musician who worked with DMX, The Rough Riders, and other New York and Philly hip-hop stars. Since 2010, Sean is also a sought-after Philadelphia-based professional photographer. Most artists dream of personal and professional success, and Sean has done it in two very different creative fields. He takes us through how we got into the Philadelphia and New York hip-hop scenes, the importance of understanding your own goals, the importance of putting the work in and being available always, his transition out of the music business and rediscovering his love of the camera so much more. Also, you can find his photography at seanlasseter.com. That's L-A-S-S-I-T-E-R. And I suggest you check out his work there. It is so good and we discuss a specific portrait later in the episode, so it may be helpful for you to see it while we're discussing it. I know you'll enjoy our conversation with Sean as much as Greg and I did. Attitude till you butter them up. Since I ain't gotta buy you stuff, who gon' hold you down if they try to run a hand, tie you up? Now don't start flipping it. Everybody know we've been had dough. Y'all just start getting it. You know, Tim, when we started talking about doing eclectic company, uh, the first thing I did was kind of make a mental inventory of people that I know that might be appropriate. And, you know, it, it's not a long list, but at the top of the list is, is my friend Sean. Uh, Sean Laster, who we're talking to tonight. Sean and I have a history that goes back. Um, I was thinking about it, Sean, in in hard to believe, but like twenty five years. Yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's been a long time. You know, and, and Sean and I, we met when we were working together in Philadelphia. Um, you know, not exactly a career opportunity for either of us, but we took pride in what we were doing. But even then, uh, and Sean, you were you were a teenager when we met. You know, and, and even, yeah, even then you were, you were talking about your music and you were talking about your, your creative aspirations, our paths diverged. Uh, but then through the magic of social media, we reconnected and lo and behold, uh, Sean had fulfilled those dreams, you know, and followed through on that uh, creative ambition, uh, in both in, in music and then later and currently in photography. And so, um, you know, I, I guess my first question to, you know, Sean, other than, you know, hey, how you been, man? But um, was, you know, tell me that story. I, I'm so personally fascinated in knowing, you know, the journey. How did you pursue your art? How did you pursue music and uh, and get where you got? Yeah, so uh, thank, thanks for the amazing intro, Greg. Um, and, and thank you guys for having me. Uh, yeah, so uh, my journey with, with music uh, kind of began as a kid. Um, I, I had a I have an uncle uh, who was a singer. He had a band, and I kind of grew up, you know, watching him and his band, you know, do their thing. Um, I tried singing, but I could never sing. Hmm. Just saying, just don't have that that talent. I could dance, like I could never sing. Uh, so that that kind of sparked my interest, and uh, I found hip hop uh, along the way gravitated towards that from the age of i'll say 10 probably a little earlier than that like I, when i really just started to begin to like write rhymes i remember it was like uh middle school and uh, i just started to, to write rhymes and i, I had a, a older cousin that actually had like a rap crew from like you know 
the 80s and they were a little older than me i used to bug him so much he like gave me like his studio equipment and was like oh just let me borrow it right <laughs> you know i'm this young kid i just kind of want to be up under him all the time and he's like hey listen i have grown-up things to do now you can take this equipment and you know do your thing so uh he let me keep it for about a uh, i'm gonna say a good like six months almost a year so where i started to learn how to create my own music started to learn how to produce and, and record and all these things i kind of did it all on my own in the basement of my grandparents my grandparents home so um that that, that was a start for me and then uh, as time uh went on i formed a group in high school and we would kind of do just like battles and started to uh, record songs and you know try to pursue an actual career back then you actually had to you know find somewhere to record record maybe one you know one song because it costs money to record and then you would have to actually find people to get your music to so you had to literally go places right so we would scrape up whatever money we had we would take trips to new york and so like around like 14 um i landed my first recording contract uh with a company in uh in new york and they were they were um they were most famously known for signing um, KRS-One for his for his first project. Uh, so if, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the uh, Criminal Minded um, album, which is like KRS-One's like classic. Yes. So this guy, yeah, this guy Jack Allen. His name was Jack Allen. I couldn't I can't remember the name of the company right now, but the guy named was Jack Allen. So we went up to, to to meet Jack, and that was my first recording contract at fourteen. Didn't really work out for you know whatever reason. Uh, so just kind of kept going uh, and. Um, I ended up meeting uh, the lead singer of the uh, Delphonics. Mm, wow. Are you guys familiar with the Delphonics? Yeah, William. I am, yeah. Yeah, William Hart. Um, great, great guy. He pretty much like opened his his home, his studio to, you know, any uh, kid in a Philadelphia community that wanted to pursue music. Uh, I was one of those kids uh, and, you know, the other two guys in our group, uh, Cassidy and uh, Cal Akbar. Um, we all kind of went over there. We we were able to record whenever we wanted to record. Uh, he taught us about the business side. He taught us about music publishing. He taught us about the recording process. He gave us books. He helped us set up our, our publishing companies. And, you know, he taught us the things that we needed to know. He taught us about what to look for in contracts uh, and all this stuff. Because, you know, when he got into the business, he got taken advantage of. So, you know, he uh, when he signed his recording contract, he kind of, like, signed away his publishing for, like, 25 i think it was like 25 uh, 50 years before it reverted back to him so wow. when he when it, yeah when they released like their their hits like la la means i love you and the the other few uh hits that they had um they weren't benefiting somebody else actually like on the music at that time and we kind of see that story you know over and over in, in different you know movies that kind of cover um mm -hmm. music and and you know in all genres uh so you know he wanted us to kind of like not get caught up in a trap and wanted us to kind of lead uh in, in the right direction um just starting out that was about you know 16 or 17 i was kind of moving slow and that was around a time that that kind of takes me into the time when uh i met greg greg we met in 90 when what year did you come to polo i was with polo for two years yeah and i think i came back to pittsburgh right for the turn of the century okay yeah so in 97 so i had a few things that 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 transpired in my life and greg this would be news to you as you never mm. really didn't he didn't really uh know any of these things but i um so i had my first shout when i was uh 16 going to 17 and uh she passed away at three months mm. uh, due to meningitis i'm from the inner city and within the inner city we got there's 
you know, things in community that you can fall into. And one of them was, um, for me was, uh, was beginning to get involved in like drug dealing, Right. And so I had got caught up in school with, uh, with, uh, pills and I ended up getting kicked out of school district of Philadelphia, um, at that time. So that was around about 17 and being put in that situation, uh, forced me to, cause I was placed on like probation at the time as a, as a minor, but, um, I had to get a job and that job ended up being polo ralph lauren so um polo was like a a beautiful time for me because it it introduced me to to uh, people outside of my community um different thought processes business that time that's that time was you know i'm still i'm still kind of like pursuing the music i'm um i'm, I'm learning business it's kind of you know working there I believe Greg, you came like you said, like '98. Yeah, uh, when things started changing, and um, Greg was like one of the first people, like one of the first store managers or somebody in authority that I kind of took to, right? Like he just, and Greg, how were you running time? Because you were like, uh, in in '98, I would have been 27 years old. 27 years old. Greg was like this cool dude. Like everybody else that came with uh, that that managed the store, they were like older, right? So they were like in their 40s. And, you know, maybe like in the fifties and they were like from like North Carolina or all these different places. And we didn't connect. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't find like, um, any connection between us. But when Greg got there, like we connected and uh, I remember I was working, um, in a, in a stock room at that time. I was working in a stock room when you came to Greg and, uh, Greg promoted me to, uh, men's clothing. Right. He promoted me to men's clothing. And then, um, as time went on, I ended up, um, I had a few departments uh, over time. So he, he threw a lot of responsibility at me. And, and um, you know, at, at that time, it was what, what I needed, right? It kept, kept me busy, kept me, um, kept my mind in, a, in a, the place that it needed to be. And I, and I learned business, right? I learned how to, to uh, deal with the corporate world, right? Which kind of prepared me to, again, to go into the music business. Um, so that was pretty cool, Greg. I just wanted to, uh, you know, just thank you. Uh, allow giving you your flowers while I have you here, man. Especially like I, I want to do it on the podcast, not in, uh, in in private, but in public. Well, Sean, I, I dude, that that touches me. I mean, it really does. I'm 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 an you know I'm an emotional person to begin with, and you know, and to hear you describe your experience of me, uh, it, it doesn't align at all with my experience of you. You know, because. I, I never saw myself as a cool guy at all, and I, I still don't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and you, you like you said at the outset of this interview, you're an inner city guy. You know, right. I, I couldn't have been more suburban when I when I got to Philly. I didn't view it as me thrusting responsibilities on you. I looked at it as you know, this is somebody I can count on. You know, th- this is somebody that you know, whatever our our places we're coming from this is somebody who's smart somebody who cares and somebody who i can count on that that's the way i saw you and your your cousin and and so many of the the good people who kind of stayed there together with us for uh, you know a brief period but it it was a really good period i I think back about that team that we all put together often and, and what a you know so many different personalities and and backstories and things but we just we I, I feel like we genuinely cared about one another you know and so yeah. Yeah. so you know thank you 
and but everything if i meant to you you meant to me as well man you 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 are a special person and and i knew it from the moment i met you i I I appreciate hearing that greg and you know for uh coming from where i come from somebody seeing that is a, a big gesture right like the the, the environment that I come from is more like a crab in a barrel, you know, um, you can't, I, I always compare it to the, the old aristocratic court, like, right. Like you got to kind of <laughs> downplay yourself to kind of get ahead and, you know, uh, not stand out too much, uh, not appear to be, uh, trying too hard. Uh, and even, even within kind of, you know, within polo, like, you know, um, you know, when I, when, when Greg promoted me, I, I got a lot of, I'm, I'm young. I was like 17, 18. You're 18. Like 18. Yeah. Yeah. 17, 18. Right. And some of my employees were like, you know, like 30, right. Like a little older. So, you know, um, I, I learned a lot in, in that, in that process. And it, it, you know, from, from those days kind of set me up for like the rest of my life, mm. like just, just having those experiences. Uh, Aaron and I talk about it all the time. People like, you know, if, if it wasn't for, you know, for, for Polo and those experiences, man, like, I don't know. I'm sure I would have turned out, you know, cool, but like the lesson, like, yeah, it's kind of like things just were kind of like accelerated. Well, I, I love your cousin Aaron too. And, uh, and yeah, it was a, that was a great, great experience for me. So thank you for being part of that. If, if I had to describe it, it was like, you know, it was college, right? It was like, it prepared me. Like, I, I literally came from like high school. Uh, working in in retail to hey when I when I say you threw responsibility like that was responsibility mm-hmm. right like and I'm like okay I gotta I have to figure this out in real time right and that and that's exactly what I did and that you know that experience taught me that you can pretty much do that with anything so that's why I consider it college it's like hey you know what this, this is I, Greg just gave me an accelerated course mm-hmm. you know in in in, in life and management and uh responsibility you were the first person to talk to me about an action plan i don't mm. know if you <laughs> i don't remember, remember that. that no i don't <laughs> yeah like, yeah you gotta have an action plan i'm like what the hell is an action plan? <laughs> get you, oh, shit like get you a deli get you a deli planner i, I literally i went got a deli planner and I was trying to figure this shit out and i'm like I, he's on to something i i don't know like and I, I literally started writing out goals right and this takes me back to, to like music um you know, based on those conversations, like I would literally like go back and okay, this is this is the this is the goal. Okay, I want to you know sign a recording deal by this time. I want to have this many songs recorded by this time, and uh, I want to release this music at this time. And you know, and I started creating steps. Some of them I saw through, right? Because that's the other part I explain. You got to see it through. But the the idea of like hey, write it down and. uh that that was something else that you know, like I said, that that stuck with me. But shifting gears back to the music, right? Right after you left, Greg, um, in November of 1999. I, I'm sorry, October of 1999. I happened to be in a barbershop in Philadelphia. I'm getting ready to go out that night to like a club, and uh, this guy walks in the barbershop, and and my barber's like, "Hey, you know his brother, you know his brother's on Rough Ride, right?" Oh yeah. Uh, he's like. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, yeah, my brother's on Rough Riders. And, um, you know, coming in, he's, he's had the, a little snippet cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I have this tape of DMX and the locks. And I'm like, you know, I'll look at them. I'm like, okay, that's cool. 
everybody's somebody, right? Like that's kind of the thing. Everybody's somebody's brother, somebody's cousin. I, I kind of heard it all before. So it was like, whatever. I looked outside and he was driving a, uh, at the time he was driving a, uh, a neon. I'm thinking, all right, your brothers are like the owners of Rough Riders. Like I'm expecting to see some, you know, type of luxury vehicle or something outside. Well, you had a way nicer car than that at 17 when we worked together I at Polo. I remember. <laughs> I did. And so I'm, you know, I look, I said, and I'm like, ah, right, whatever. So he's like, uh, let me hear something. So, uh, no, we rap for him. This, uh, me and one of the guys in my group, we rap for him. And, uh, he was like, Hey, let's exchange numbers. I'm like, you know, call you guys, and, you know, the normal thing that you hear from people. Yeah, I'll give you a call. Like you can come meet my brothers. And so I didn't give him my phone number. Right. Like my, my friend, he, he was like, uh, you know, they exchange info and that was Friday. So Monday. He gets a phone call and he's like, Hey, we want you to come up to New York. I want you to meet my brother. We all get together. We drive up and lo and behold, his brothers are actually the owners of Rough Riders. Wow. And he didn't tell me this at the time, but he's Swiss beat. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. This is his father, right? He didn't even (laughs) explain this. He didn't even explain this in the, you know, at the beginning, like I, I figured this out as we go. It's crazy. Yeah, we go there and we rap for for one of their brothers. The other brother was in Miami at the time. He's like, "Yeah, I like y'all. We'll wait to see, you know, when my brother come back, see what he thinks of you and, and everything." So we're like, "Cool." So we kind of like we've been here before. Like I kind of skipped some of those stories because it was a lot of them. But we've been here. Well, we've met artists, and you know, you, you get the promises. Yeah, we'll invite you down to the studio and all that. Nothing happened. So they actually um, that Tuesday, he's like, "Listen, you know what? I'm gonna actually fly you guys down there." Fly you to Miami, and we didn't actually fly down. We were they were going to book us to fly down, but we we didn't fly. I had to go to work. <laughs> I had to literally go to work. <laughs> you, you, you had to prep for the Thanksgiving sale, for Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, I, had, I, had, right. I had to get ready for that. Right, I had to go fold some, some knit. Um, <laughs> wow, that could have gotten the way of just the rest of your life. I just think about. I'm so interested as to where this goes from here. It, it could have. So uh, we we didn't go. I kind of passed up on that. I made an excuse. I don't know what the excuse was that I made. Um, I made an excuse so where we couldn't make it. But um, he ended up coming back maybe like a week later. We drove back up and they were actually uh, shooting a video for um, Eve at the time. It was, uh, I believe it was Love is Blind. And, uh, you know, we get out there and the first thing that they do is like they, they like to make artists battle. So any, you know, there's another artist around. It's like, all right, well, he raps, he raps, let's hear y'all battle. That's what we did time at the time, at the time, at the time, at the time again. And um, up until about, you know, we did that for about a month, right? Go to New York, stay there for a day or two, call out of work, battle, go back to work for a couple of days. And I'm like, you know, I would go back to work and I'm sitting there and I'm folding and I'm like, yeah, this ain't that. I don't think this is it. I'm like, we're kind of close. Uh, so around like uh, November, uh, late no- mid-November, late November, we decided to go in the studio and actually record some songs here in Philadelphia. Um, I produced uh, three of the songs, and uh, we had another producer come in and do two songs. We drove back to New York, and we took them to Sony Studios, and we played them. And they loved it, right? It was like, okay, like I, they, I, I believe they saw the potential just from hearing us rap, right? But mm-hmm. they needed that extra push which was actually hearing us on record. Mm. And uh, once we did that, um, that was kind of like, 
you know, what sealed the deal. Like within, I want to say like uh, two weeks, uh, we got the recording contract. Wow. Um, we signed a recording contract before, uh, right before Christmas, uh, which mm-hmm. was perfect. But I, I literally, and Greg, you don't know the story. I don't think I've ever shared this with you. But um, I literally went back to work. I demoted myself. <laughs> I never told you that. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I demoted myself. And uh, so once, once we recorded the songs and I, and I, you know, they're like the contracts come in, I went back to work. And I said, hey, I told Julie, I said, listen, yeah. um, yeah, I can't do this anymore, but I'm not ready to quit, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to demote myself because I need to take some time off. And I know the store has responsibilities that need to be taken care of. Like, That's I don't awesome. want to do that right now. And, um, you know, that worked out. So I went from managing the store to, I mean, managing, you know, the half of the store to, yeah. you know, just filling in hours. Right. Yeah, and, right. um, one morning, man, I just kind of walked in and I was, was me and Jovita working there mm. uh, in the morning. We typically open like two, two or three people in the morning. And this particular morning was just us two. Mm. And I'm literally standing out on the folding table, man, writing my resignation letter. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know why, but I just sat there and I wrote it and she came out from, you know, in the back and I just handed it to her and she was like, are you serious? It's like, yeah, I have to do this. Like, and she was like, well, can you at least wait till somebody else comes in? I was like, oh no, I'm not going to leave you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait till somebody else comes in, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to finish the day out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I left, uh, I left you know, like 10, 11 o'clock that afternoon. Um, never turned back, man. And mm. kind of just moved up to New York, kind of threw myself into it. Um, now, Sean, in, yeah. in New York, in the in uh, late nineties, early two thousands, mm-hmm. um, this is this rap is a big industry at this point. Um, and you know, we've got East Coast, West Coast, got some really big bands that are starting to blow up. W- were you intimidated? Were you excited? Were you thrilled? Yeah, and, and you know, it was uh, so I was excited. Like I've never my 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 thinking has always been like you guys remember um, Hangover, Mister yeah. Chow, and he's like, "But did you die?" Right? <laughs> like that's my <laughs> <laughs> that's my mindset like i'm a right. i'm gonna swing for it right like I, I know i got the talent right so i'm gonna right. take my shot and if it does win lose a draw right it's not gonna kill me right so I, i'll do it and um i just went there with that mindset i didn't care you know what you know artists were around you know like um i wasn't like a star you know a person that was like starstruck or intimidated by by artists because but funny enough like i I've met a lot of these artists through, you know, a cousin of mine that was kind of in the industry, but he would never take interest in us. Right. I guess because I was family, <laughs> um, but you know, I had already met like a, like Jay-Z, I already kind of knew like the locks, you know, like, so, um, when I got there, you know, I was kind of, I was comfortable. I was like, a, it was more like about time because I had yes. friends like there were at that time, like so 96 through 99 and there was a lot of Philadelphia artists being signed to these record labels, you know, to like Def Jam, to Rockefeller, to, um, to Jive was, you know, big at that time. They were picking up, everybody was going for like a Philly art at that time. And, you know, I'm like, Hey, listen, man, I got the top group in the city. Like I want, you know, we should be in one of these situations. And we ended up with Rough Riders at their peak. When I, when I got to, when we got the Rough Riders, uh, BMX had released two albums and he was, he released the first album. So, um, you know, want to say ten million 
and it was, was ridiculous. Yeah, and was, was yeah, and was, was going to release the second album, like at the top of the year. Like when I got when I got there, he was just finishing up the second album to be released at the top of the year, um, and which kind of worked out perfect because they were also working on the Ride or Die Volume Two compilation. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where we kind of you know kind of came came in. Um, so, I, my first project was a multi platinum project. <laughs> Sean, Sean, when when you know you, you're you're um, working with these guys now, you're getting to know them. They recognize your talent. Um, I don't know if mentoring is the right word, but you know, but when they say to you, "We want you guys on this next record," like you know, you're still 20 years old at that point, 21 years old at that point. And what's that feel like? I didn't feel anything until it was actually released. Like because there was a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth to Philly to New York to staying in New York to sleeping in a studio to you know just trying to hang around the different artists just to kind of be a, you know to kind of hey I got a I got a hook for you I got this for you I got that for you I got a beat for you right just to kind of try to get on a project. Um, my my manager at the time uh, his name's Titius his uh, was his father he ended up being our manager. But he, he, you know, the one thing that he, he told me was like, nobody's going to call you, right? You have to be present, right? Like if you're not pre- if you're present, things can happen. If you're not present, you know, they may, they may not call you. The chances that they may call you is slim to none, right? Like they, in, in hip hop, people deal with what's in front of them, right? Like a problem presents itself. Hey, we need a, you know, we need to complete this record and the artist isn't showing right? Like whoever's there is going to get the opportunity. Right. So like for me, um, with the, um, the, uh, the lead single off the album, um, which was got it all featuring Eve and Jada kiss. Uh, I happen to, I'm in, I'm living in a studio basically. Like we, you know, they have like four studios booked in Sony and I go from studio to studio when nobody's recording. I'm in there recording. I finish that. I go to the next studio I record something. We'll record something else. I go to the next studio, record something else. Like that was how you know how we work. And uh, this one particular night, Eve is because uh, we have a they have a tour going on at the time. Also, the Rough Rider Cash Money tour um, while we're doing a compilation. And uh, you know, Eve is in the studio, and I just happened to be there. And she's like, you know, and I just I rolled the dice. I asked a question. I said, Hey, do you have a you have a you have a hook for the song? She was like, No, I don't. And I was like, okay, give me a few minutes. She was like, let me know if you got something. I said, I'll give you a few minutes. And the the song ended up being called "Got It All," but uh, originally it was like it was more so like, give me these things, right? Like, so she says. Um, so in the version that we end up using is, uh, she's saying, I don't want, I don't want your cars, I don't want your your dough, I don't want your jewels. Like, she, she don't want those things, right? She has it all. Mm-hmm. Like that was the mm-hmm. idea. But the original idea, I'm, I'm saying, I was saying like, hey, like, give me these things. Give me your car. Give me your jewels. Give me this. Right. Like, and she's like, you know, I'm not that kind of a person. That's not the image. So we, we flipped it and she recorded it. Don't want your juice, no, not at all. Right. With the mother bros, you might pull it 
when the owners came, the uh, owners being why they came in, they just like, this is a single right here. Who did Ooh. The and I, <laughs> I was like, me, and they just like, <laughs> great. So they didn't really have a direction for the record. So the the hook that I created gave them a direction for that particular record. And so then they end up adding, um, that was that song was just supposed to be Eve by herself, but they ended up adding Jada Kiss to the song to kind of give it context. So she talked, uh, she spoke on a record from a um, female perspective. He spoke from a guy's perspective. Ended up being a, um, the first single. Like now, hearing that, like actually hearing Eve like record, you know, my vocals knowing, and she was big at this time, felt great. Like it, it was an amazing feeling. Um, Holy shit! Yeah, I bragged about it, right? Like you know, I came home, but you know. There was no instant gratification because, like, you had to wait. I could come home and tell anybody anything. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but I had to wait like you know six months or so for it to come to come out, right? And then people were like, all right, well, I hear the song, but how do I know that you did it? Right? <laughs> I got to read the credits. That's my question. <laughs> like, I'm thinking about you in New York, and you know, and and going day to day as an artist, living that life, and you know, in fighting to make it and then it's like okay i'm not just hoping that this is happening this is happening but it hasn't come out yet you're, you're not seeing the fruits of your labor yet and you're going home to philadelphia every couple of days or weeks like what's your family are they like they because uh, i see you guys i know your cousin i know how close yeah. you are you guys even just in photos there's such a, a feeling of love and and bond there but at that time, were they like, Sean, you're out of your freaking mind, you know, uh, or were they there for you? Yeah, I was foolish, right? Like that, everybody, nobody saw it. Like nobody understood it, you know, 1920, right? Like, well, 18, 19, making about 30K. And I just kind of walked away from that. And they're like, what are you doing, right? But you, mm -hmm. you, you're going up here, right? You don't have any uh, income, right? Like you're getting a, a little, you know, you're getting some money. Like you did, I did, we did, you know, receive a, an advance once we signed the recording contract. But prior to that, everything was kind of like on our pocket. And, you know, advances, you know, they're, they're not a, it, for, for us coming in, it wasn't a lot of money. Um, I had to send that money, you know, a lot of that money back home to take care of my household. Right. 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 So, you know, in New York is expensive. Yours yeah. is extremely expensive. So, you know, nobody, nobody understood it. Um, I only heard some things through the grapevine, but they weren't good. Like, they weren't good at all. wasn't positive. Um, I didn't really start getting uh, uh, a lot of positive feedback until the album actually hit. And people, so the, the, the clever thing that I did was, for the song that I performed on the album, I put my name in it, my, my actual mm -hmm. government name, right? Like, so I had my rap name, which <laughs> is Shiz Lansky, and then, you know, my, my Sean Lassiter's. And so, and I have a, um, in, in a song, Ride or Die Boys, like in the first, like, couple bars, I say, real name, Sean Lassiter, right? Uh, oh, no way. <laughs> I've never heard that. And, yeah, you have to go back to myself. Yeah. I did that. And so people would know, right? Like, you couldn't say, well, yeah, that doesn't sound like you. Like, that's yeah. not you. no, you know that's me, right? Like when you read it, when you, you audio tagged it, uh, audio tagged it. Yeah, yeah, 
So I, I did that and man, um, it worked out. Man, 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 don't start the ass to finish Yo, rap niggas is high fashion Flashing, talk thug, no action We read MCs like TVs with captions Shots we smash on, guns we blast on Spit fire like blow dry and drag that on Your career won't last long, real name Sean Lasseter Four words for y'all, F-type, no passenger Flow nasty, man, you know what I mean And I keep them diamonds shining blue, yellow, and green You know, um, I remember coming uh, home after the album release and uh this is when philadelphia used to have like the greek picnic um it was a big mm-hmm. picnic where everybody would kind of converge on the city and uh, they used to be wild and i remember uh me and aaron kind of being um, like broad on broad street and you know the cars would just ride by and people yeah. would be hanging out their cars and it was just total chaos right and and these guys they drove by playing my song oh, right niche. and but they're looking at me like they're gonna like they're looking at me aggressive like this song has them feeling so aggressive yeah right but they're looking at me and i'm sitting there like yo you like you know that's me right like (laughs) you can't be aggressive with me with my with my music right like i'm the one hyping you up you know i'm hyping you up now like i'm i'm your theme music right now right like so um at that moment i was like yeah this is real and um we started getting, you know, doing like little pop-ups and videos and stuff like that. And so my family started to be, you know, being able to have like bragging rights. Like, hey, that's my nephew. That's my son. You know, uh, somebody would walk up to him like, hey, I heard your son on this album. Or I heard your, your nephew or your cousin on this album. So then it kind of became a thing. It became like fashionable to be related to, you know, crazy Sean that quit his job and, you know, went to New York to pursue his dream. And that was, that was, that was pretty, it was pretty cool, it was a rough time, but it was pretty cool. Like, I wouldn't, tr- I wouldn't trade it. You know, a lot of people, even, like, really young people think, you, you know, you, you come up with a hook or you, you, you have this great beat. And you, it's just going to, success is going to happen. But what you described was a lot of hard work. And, I mean, you were starting when you were 14, right? I mean, you had put in six, seven years already at that point. And then, you know, living on ramen noodles, bouncing from studio to studio and just being there and being available. That that business is a tough, tough business. And so um, I just was so, so impressed with just how hard you worked to get that break. And then when you got it, you were ready. And you made yeah, you got Yeah, you had, you had to stay ready. Like, I, I think if, if we would have did it, like if I would have did it any other way, like if I would have been like a... You know, I'll just use the word diva about it, right? Like, if I want to say, hey, I have this talent and you guys, you should see it and you should cater to it. And if it wasn't catered to, right, like, I feel like I would have walked away, right? And I would have lost all these opportunities because it it didn't happen instantly or that person didn't see you know, what I thought they should see, right? Like, sometimes you have to make people, not sometimes, like, I feel like all of, you have to make people see, see you, right? Like, so that, that, I want to ask you a question about this, Sean, and like opportunities. Yeah. And so, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, like, hip hop is a artistic form that has more um, collaboration than, than other forms of art, you know? And so, th- what I'm hearing you describe being in the studio and in interjecting that hook and getting it a part of that project is like you're a freelance artist 
you know, you're a freelance musical artist. That, that early initial success was exciting and you, you knew it was real, your talent's been validated, but how does that translate in hip-hop at that time from having talent, having some, some early success and connections to something that you sustained for some time? Being able to like build relationships with people, like being personable, right? Like being likable, right? Like that, I feel like that's the one thing that with some people that I, you know, I've been able to master, right? Because I, I, I've broken the the first law in the forty eight uh, forty eight laws of power, mm. right? Like never outshine the master. I've broken that time and time again, <laughs> right? Like, but for for people that weren't like you know, on the same path as me, right? Like, so I had executives that would like, hey, you know what, I like this guy. You know, he's pretty cool. He's, you know, he's reliable. He's the same, you know, some of the same stuff that you said, Greg, right? You know, they would call me for stuff, right? Hey, uh, such and such didn't show up today. Um, you think you could come down and write a, you know, finish the song? Sure. I, I want to say like the talent, you know, kind of grabbed people's attention, but, you know, who, who I was as a person, Mm. is what kind of carried it right mm -hmm. um makes total sense to me yeah it, it opens doors like mm. you know who who you are can open the closed doors I, i've opened doors and i've closed doors um but you know it it in hip-hop it, it's such a com competitive feel right like it's literally, literally like you know gladiator right like like literally because you have you know, you have these people with, with talent and it is, it's not really about just the talent. Like some people are talented as hell and, but they have like, you know, they have vices and things that kind of hold them back. Um, they have, uh, you know, personality, you know, traits that don't sit well with people. They rub people the wrong way. They, yeah, there's a lot of things that can kind of hold you back, like in the industry. And a lot of the artists that you, that you, you know, that you may have heard from, that kind of like vanish, you know, they kind of cross one of those things, right? Like they, you know, something went wrong. Like they didn't just get, you know, pushed to the side for no reason. Like, you know, they rubbed somebody the wrong way. They said that or did the wrong thing or they weren't reliable. They didn't show up. You know, I would look at those guys and say, okay, I'm gonna do the opposite of everything that they're doing. It's gonna work. Right. And it worked. But then, you know, now if, if I'm in, if I'm in somebody, I'll just say I'm in somebody else's kingdom, right? Like Rough Riders with somebody else's kingdom. The king might not be so happy with that, right? So, you know, he's going to look for ways to, they're going to look for ways to kind of, you know, uh, you know, banish you, behead you, right? Like it, they got to try to cut you down or try to, you know, push you back. And um, I, I think if, if I could, if I would go back, if I could go back and, you know, do some things different, like I would kind of, not downplace, you know, some of my talents, but roll them out a little slower, right? Because I kind of came through and just like, hey, I write, I rap, I produce, I can record myself, right? Now you might have somebody that just raps, right? I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped one thing about myself, and I know the business, right? Like, so now you might have somebody that just raps, they don't know the business, they're not, they don't know how to be, you know, personable with people, you know, they're lacking a lot of things. They have, you know, vices, what have you. Now they're looking at me like, oh, this guy, I think he's perfect over here, right? Like, I got to figure out a way to, 
you know, the, the push him to the side. So you, you know, you, you can create, he's a threat. Uh, yeah. You inspire fear and insecurity and other people. And I, I dealt with a lot of that. Like, but at the time I didn't understand what it was. I didn't know what it was. Hey, I could do this. You should, you know, appreciate it. Right. Like you should want this within your team. Right. All right. Shiz can do everything. Right. I thought that was like a good thing to be able to, to do everything. Right. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Not in hip hop. I was going to say that if, if there's one managerial precept that I've clung to my entire career across different industries, it's that I want as many smart people around me as possible. And if they're smarter than me, fan, even better, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm going to learn something from them and I know they'll like me. So they'll, they'll help me look better too. So, you know, that, that's a shame that that's, that that's the way it is at sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I can see totally what, what you mean in the, in the opposite respect. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a doggy dog world in hip hop, man. It's, uh, you know, hip hop is based on, uh, but it's, it's changed a lot, but, um, you know, when it started, it's based on, you know, being authentic, like authenticity was like, a uh, a big thing. Um, being respected, right? Like you had street, street credibility, like all, all these things kind of tie into it. It has nothing to do with music. It has nothing to do with talent. Right. But it's like, it's a part of the image. Right. So it's like, okay, Sean's respected. He's talented. All right. I got to figure out what he's not good at. Right. And or I got to try to figure out a way to, you know, show a blemish in his in his his armor right like and, and that's kind of like you know what it became and, and it, these things are done in an indirect way right like so you don't you don't know why people aren't responding the way that they may have responded initially in the beginning because right? as time goes on right like things change like oh you know i thought he was cool when he did this and you know as we go it's like uh, you know I don't, I don't want you in the studio now why, why you don't you don't want me in the studio now? Like, what happened? Like, we made magic last time, right? Like, like, nah, and it's not because that you can't make magic again, but you, you know, they want to be the center. Yeah, yeah other artists are the fighting to be the center, right? Like, I'm, I'm looking at it from, like, a family perspective. Like, hey, we're all on the same page. We're all in the same crew. If, you know, if, 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 if one of us is up here, everybody else is connected, we're all good, right? Like, and, and that was my, my mindset, but that, you know, people had their own, uh, things that they were fighting and learning and working with. And so as time goes on, that's what you, you start to face. Um, I don't know if it, if it, if that happens in like any other genre of music, um, outside of hip hop, like, I don't really hear about that. Like in, you know, country, uh, rock or, you know, pop or anything like that. Like, but it's, it's a constant theme in hip hop. That's why you you know you you, you hear about hip hop beefs left and right, right? It's usually about trying to you know who's king of this, who's king of that, and, you know. And somebody just passed me by, and I'm mad about it, and yeah, all this, yeah, think you know stuff like that, and and um, you know, I didn't want to you know be a part of that, like uh, yeah, kind of kind of turned me off at the lot. I know you traveled and you performed. Is that kind of what got you eventually thinking, I want to make another change? I want to make another transition? Was it 
was it the business that kind of wore on you? I'm just going to throw an arbitrary number out there. I don't know what the number is today, but just say the lifetime of a, a copyright worth like two million bucks, right? For one, for one hit song, right? Now, as an artist, I feel like, you know, if, if my record label is doing what they're supposed to do, right? Like provide me the platform to do what I need to do. I have about 20 hit songs in, right? Like this, this is a career, right? This is my thought process. So, you know, when we go to, when we do on a contract, I uh, remember them offering, you know, uh, I want to say it was like 50K for like 50% of my publisher, right? Now to a 20 year old, it sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to get 50K. You take the 50K and you walk away with it. You get salary. I'm good, right? But to me, like, I, I did the math, right? Like, I believe I got 20 songs in me, a, a career worth of songs, right? At $2 million a piece, right? The copyright value for the lifetime of the song, right? So we're at uh, $40 million, right? When you think about it. So, you know, I'm giving you 50%. I'm giving you 20 million for 50K. Mm. They make sense to me. Right? Like, and I voiced that. Like, and I, you know, and I had the conversation. And I remember, specifically remember, you know, it being said to me, like, hey, well, you know, like right now, you have 50% of nothing. And no, I'm sorry. Right now, you have 100% of nothing. Right? This, this, these are the games that get played in the music business, right? It's like, you have 100% of nothing. I'm trying to give you 50,000, but 50% of nothing, right? And uh, uh, unlearned artists, because I've seen plenty of artists go into the business and sign these contracts, right? And they'll, they'll tell themselves, they'll say, hey, I'm going to sign this contract. I'm going to give them an album, do another album, and I'll go in and I'll renegotiate later, right? That's the mindset, right? That wasn't my mind. It wasn't my mindset. I'm like, yeah, that shit doesn't make sense. So, my reply was, hey, well, I've never known anybody to give somebody 50K for nothing. Like, you keep your 50K, I'll keep my 100% of nothing, and we all good. This business for hip-hop, I don't know how it is in all other genres. I haven't really dealt with any other genres. It's all about, you, you, you have predators and you have prey. You have people that, that, you know, that are looking just to kind of like take advantage of you. Right. And I'm not one for that. Like I, you know, growing up, we, we were taught to fight. Mm. Don't let anybody take anything from you. Right. That's, that's what we were taught and it's going to carry on and into the world. So I can't, you know, as an adult, I can't, you know, physically put my hands on people or do anything, you know, without finding myself in trouble, but you're not going to take advantage of me. Right. And that became a mind state. So, you know, you start and this, this business is built on built on that. Right. You'll, you'll hear the stories over and over again, like and within hip hop and like R&B, like you'll, you'll soul, that, that type stuff. I'm sure you guys have seen like temptation movies, the five heartbeats and all that stuff. Right. It's the same story over and over and over and over and over. Right. Like I didn't want to be that story. Right. So it's like, do I let these people take advantage of me or do I, if I let them take advantage of me, they'll take me to the, to the stratosphere. Right. But I have to give up that thing that I don't want to give up. Right. Oh, instead of doing good business. 
Nobody wants to do good business. They want to take advantage. We could do good business and we could all become millionaires and everybody could be cool. That wasn't the mindset, right? They, I just want to take advantage of you with the mindset. So, you know, I, I kind of tapped out, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to use the word jaded, right? So I, I grew jaded over time. Like, you know, I just, I just don't want to deal with it. Um, you know, around like, uh, so we did Ride or Die Volume 2 and it came out in 2000. Uh, I was involved in like five, six records on that album. Um, Ride or Die Volume 2. By Ride or Die Volume 3, I was kind of like fading my way out. I was spending more time in Philadelphia. Um, I literally just kind of went back up just to do that one, that one record. Right? And this thing is going on internally and at the company at the time. You know, one of the owners, were, he was involved in like a uh, bad uh, bike accident um, that nearly took his life. Um, and, you know, they're having issues with Interscope, which was like the parent company. There was just a lot going on. And so I just kind of came home. I was like, no, I just need a break. Wasn't what I, it wasn't what I expected. Right. But what I did do, like I learned a lot. I met a lot of people. I learned a lot and built relationships. And so my thought process was to come home and to utilize, you know, what I learned and to create my own company and to utilize these new relationships that I have. Now, what, what I realized is, okay, this is what a record company is. Record company is literally a group of people, right? Everybody has a job title. It might be about, you know, five to 10 people. Everybody has a title, right? And everybody has a, yeah, a job title function. Now, the only thing that makes them an official company is that they have a budget to do these things, right? Us three here, we can say, hey, we formed a record label, right? We don't have to get paid to do the function, right? We can, we can get, choose to get paid down the line, right? Like we can do the work and build it up and get paid down the line, right? This is my mindset early on, early 2000s. I'm like, all right. So I came home, I, I took, uh, you know, about $10,000 $10, and I bought all the equipment that I needed to record. That's the biggest thing as a recording artist is that you need to have, you need to have students somewhere to create. Um, and I, I came home and I told my friends the plan. I said, listen, this is what we're going to do, right? Like we all have functions. I, I can produce, record. I got relationships, you know, we can put together a street team. Everybody has to kind of just work pro bono, right? Right. Like there's no pay, but there's no difference between a group of us, right? You got five or 10 people over here that, that with know-how. Right, it's no different than the five or ten people over there with know how. They're just getting paid to do it, right? Like, and they're probably not going to do a good, you know, as they're good a job hungry. as us because yeah. they're not as hungry, right? Like, we have to get it done because we want to get paid at some point. But um, but what I what I learned there is that like, you know, you can't have vision around the visionless, right? Like, some people have, you know, they they can only, you know, see what's in front of them, right? Like they have to physically see it, like or it has to be visible or it has to be connected to someone else, right? Like famous, right? Like, so being connected to, to Rough Rider and DMX was a big thing because they were connected to Interscope and DMX sold a million records and so on and so on. So it, it was big, but I saw it in the workings of the company, 
right? So once you get in, you start to see how things work. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, not as flashy as I thought it was, mm, right? right? Like, <laughs> I come back to my friends. I'm like, hey, listen, look, I just showed y'all I can walk on water, right? Like, I, I, I told you I was going to get a record deal, right? I did it. I told you that I was going to feature on this, that, and that. I did it, right? So I've proven to you that I can do these things, right? Now, I know you have a skill set, you have a skill set, you have a skill set, you have a skill set. Let's tie it together and we can do it ourselves, right? We can be our own bosses, right? Like, and I made the investment. I didn't ask anybody to put anything up. You know, we put out, um, ended up putting out like a project and nobody worked it like it was their thing. Like, it was, uh, it's amazing how people get up, like, you, you have a job, right? And you get up and you you make sure you're there on time, right? Like, you, 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 you do all these things under pressure of having a supervisor, somebody to oversee you, right? Like, you know, I, I read, um, so as all this stuff is going on, I'm kind of, you know, reading, I'm reading Bible, I'm reading Power, I'm reading all these things. and. You know, the, the one thing I read in Proverbs was, you know, uh, he got the ant and consider his ways. He has no overseer, right? Like, he does what needs to be done. Nobody's telling the ant what to do. He gathers when he needs to gather, right? Like, he stores when he needs to store. Like, he knows what to do, right? So, I don't need somebody to, to tell me what needs to be done. Like, I, I have vision. I have ability. I have to connect like all the things that work. But again, when, you know, you, 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 your friends don't have the same experience that you have, you know, you're kind of talking to yourself. Yeah. They can't right? see like, it. They don't have the faith. They, they don't have the faith, right? Like the faith is not there. Um, that was another story, you know, when Jesus, like on the water, like, and I'm not, I'm not like a super like overly like religious dude, but, um, you know, it, if you look at that story symbolically, right? Like, so you had Jesus with, if Jesus represents the, the man with all faith, all faith, right? Complete faith, right? So he's on a boat. The, the waters represent life, right? Life is uncertain. Water is the most uncertain thing. Like you never... You could think you're gonna. You could think you know what water's gonna do, right? Like, and it does some completely have a something totally different, right? Like, it's uncertain. And then you have like, you know, um, the, the the boat represents this false security, right? Like, we feel like we're secure, but there's really no security in life, right? Like that boat means nothing, right? Like, our false sense of security means nothing. It's spring right? leak at any time. At any time, right? This thing, a wave could come, flip it over, right? Like, um, and then you, you know, you look at the, you know, when you start to visualize the story, it's like you got the, the, the storm, the winds. These are all the things that happen in life, right? Like the things that we can't control, the, the variables, right? Like that kind of, you know, rock us as we start to move through life or as we're pursuing a goal or a dream. And here you have Peter. He has like, you know, he thinks he has faith, right? He wants to step out to this new venture, right? And he steps out. And the moment the wind blows, the moment something bad happens, right? He gets yeah. nervous and he starts to sink, 
right? And it's the same thing in real life, right? Like, you know, you, you're pursuing a career and you're like, hey, I want, I want to be a rapper. I want to be a music. I want to be an actor. I want to be this. I want to be that. And the moment something goes wrong, you start to doubt and you start to sink, right? And, you know, Jesus turns around. So I'm like, yo, man, like, you know, oh, oh ye a little faith. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, you have to have complete faith. If you want to step off that boat, you have to have complete faith in what you're doing. Like, I walked into it with, like, complete faith. Um, but again, you know, that's me. Right? I can't tell Peter, that, like, hey, when the wind blow, like, it's cool. It's just wind, right? Like, these things happen, right? Like, you, you, you know, you, you might lose a job. We might lose some money. The, a project might not do as well as we thought it would. Um, somebody might turn us down. Somebody might not respond to a record the way we thought they would. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to drown. Like, you know, we still got to get to the other side. Sean, you just gave me an epiphany. You know, we've, we've been doing this uh, podcast for a few months. We only have a few episodes out, but we've recorded several others. And something you were just talking about really struck me. And, and I realized as you were saying that you have to have faith and that, you know, that's what separates people who aspire to pursue art or pers- uh, aspire to pursue something extraordinary from those who, who think about it, but then don't do it. You know, every single person that Tim and I have, have spoken to have said that, you know what, it was just an internal drive they had to create, or they had the confidence to know that, you know what, I, I have the talent to kind of manifest my dreams. And, and we've talked about it in other episodes that, you know, the old adage, if you ask a room full of first graders, you know, who in here is an artist that every single child in that room raises their hand. But then over the course of the next however many years, life begins to condition us all to start to assess ourselves. And it's really um, not just the most artistic people who emerge, but the most artistic and bravest people who emerge as, as successful artists, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. And like that, the, the kid, uh, I don't know, analogy thing is like this perfect example right like you i remember starting out when when we started out right like you know you had we would come into contact with other artists did the same thing that we did these dudes i've come across people that i felt like were way more talented than i was right and it never got to where i got right because the wind blew and they they really didn't have the faith somebody in their family said you're not going to make it. It's too, you know, it's too large of an industry. It's too much competition. Um, and they believed it. Right. Like, and, and, and here's the thing, like, so, you know, you, you have people in, 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 in my community and, and where I come from, like, yeah, I've seen people, you know, risk their freedom, risk their lives, uh, risk their, you know, for nothing. Like literally, like nothing, right? And it's like, all right, if you're willing to risk your, you know, yourself for nothing, like how about that dream that you got, right? Like put everything into that, right? And you know, I, my my uncle's a perfect example, right? Like 
he 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 had a record out when Michael Jackson came out. They were, they were they were around the same age, and you know Michael Jackson took off, right? And he never really you know kind of took off, but as he got, you know, he blamed like management and you know his, his parents uh, for not you know pursuing it or pushing it harder. Um, but you know ultimately at some point he became an adult, right? Now you were a teenager and you had the ability to, you know, put the work in to make it happen for yourself, right? Like, did you or did you not believe? Right? Like, I don't think you believe, right? Because you, you, you didn't pursue it. If you believe you're going to do act, faith without works is dead. You, you, you can't have faith if you're not working. The work shows us that you have faith, right? Like, so, you know, I understood that, and so I, you know, I just kept pushing until the point, like I said, once I, once I got in the business and I realized it, it wasn't what I, what I thought it was or what I wanted to be a part of, you know, then it changed for me, right? But it wasn't because I didn't have faith, right? It's just because I, I didn't want to fight that battle of, you know, uh, I didn't want to fight the good fight, right? Like I didn't want to stress it. A lot of these guys are dangerous, man, that you, you know, in this business, like, and I can only push with so many buttons with, with so many people be, before something goes wrong, right? And so I just kind of, you know, I stepped back. Um, but it, it had, for me, it had nothing to do with not having faith to this point. Like, and I'm, I'm going to move forward a little bit. Um, when I got out of music, like, I knew I didn't. I wasn't about to like, you know, go back to like a normal job or whatever, right? You know, the per- first person I called when I got back when I came back to Philly, hmm. called Greg Crow. Oh shit! Hey Greg, <laughs> <laughs> hey Greg, hey man, I'm you know I'm, I'm back in Philly. Uh, hmm. You know, I don't remember what 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 was going on around the time. It's about two thousand nine. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, eight or nine. 2010, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And he's like, hey, well, you know, we got some stuff, you know, some campuses on there, you know, put together a resume and I'll shoot it over to my people or whatever. And, you know, I, I did that and um, ended up, you know, working there for a period of time. And so they did like the, uh, they had the congressional hearings and cutbacks and all that stuff. And they started, yeah, cutting people out. But um, during that time is when I picked, when I purchased the camera. Right? Like I, 2010, I purchased my camera. Um, it was just to take pictures of, of uh, my youngest son, Sean, uh, when he was born. And the, the funny thing is, like, as a child, like, I always had cameras, right? I always loved cameras. I always loved taking pictures. But I just never knew anybody that was in the photographer that was, like, around me. Um, so, you know, I started taking pictures, and we have social media. I started sharing. People would ask, like, hey, uh, how much do you charge to do this? How much do you charge to do that? And I'm like, just a hobby, right? Like, don't charge anything, you know. And um, the layoffs came on, wiped everybody out, right? And I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do now, right? Like, I still had like had a little money saved. Like, what am I going to do now? Like. I know I'm definitely not revisiting music. I want to be involved in music right now, but I, whatever I do has to be creative. And um, I happened to be at an event and I was taking photos and somebody asked me again, like, hey, 
you know, I'm going to see charge. And I'm like, the guy talking to me, like, is something yeah. like, is it? Cause it, it kept coming up. Right. Like, and I'm, and I'm ignoring the signal, I'm ignoring this. Like when I say it kept coming up, like it just kept coming up and I kept hearing it and I kept hearing it. But for this one, this one particular time it stuck out and I still gave him the same answer. But, um, the next day I went and I ordered some business cards. Right? I went to just the print and I was like, I'm going to order some business cards. And uh, I ended up putting like the wrong phone number on him. So nobody called me. <laughs> um, so sorry to that guy for all the calls he got. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to that guy. <laughs> it, it didn't work out. So I, you know, I set up a Google voice number and, uh, you know, I put these cards together and I, and I told myself, I said, the next time somebody asks, I'm going to give them a card. And that's what I started doing. And, and what happened was somebody that I gave the card to, they tried to call. And when they didn't get the right number, they emailed. Mm. Oh, good. And they're like, hey, um, you know, I've been trying to contact you, but uh, the number wasn't working. So I figured I'd email you. And I look at the card and I'm like, oh, shit. How did I do that? Right? <laughs> and, you know, that became like my first client. Right. And then I was like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to go get a studio now. So I went and uh, went to, because I felt like that's what you needed to do. And um, I started doing like, uh, like portrait sessions and the shared space. And I realized that a shared space wasn't, you know, what I needed for myself. So I said, Hey, I'm gonna go and get my own space. And I ended up with a storefront on uh, a main Avenue in Philadelphia, um, in, uh, East falls, which is like close to Manioc. I'm not sure. If oh you yeah. Know, I love that area. Well, you know, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Germantown. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right over there. So, um, yeah, I got the studio there, man, and things just kind of took off. So I stayed there in the, in the storefront studio for, uh, for eight years. Eight years, man, just, you know, taking clients. And it all circles back to music now, right? So the one thing I learned is, like, just because you were involved in something doesn't mean that it's for you, right? Sometimes, like, we'll, we'll run into roadblocks. Because it's time for us to, to part ways, right? But that doesn't mean that the time that we spent doing what we did there was in vain. So I'm still friends with the same people that I was friends with before in music. So, you know, when they saw what I was doing, like, phone calls coming. Hey, listen, uh, I got this going on. You know, can you, can you come up and do this, right? Or, hey, um, Swiss... Uh, he introduced me to the Gordon Parks Foundation. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with, you know, the Gordon Parks, but he's an African-American photographer, self-taught like myself. Um, he, you know, pretty much documented, like, you know, things on a civil rights movement. Um, that, that time period, he had some very iconic images. Uh, one of the first African-American, you know, photographers to uh, be featured in uh, Life magazine, um, Time. Uh, you know, he wrote movie. Uh, he he. So he's a photographer. He he's a renaissance. He's kind of like me, mm. right? Like um, renaissance man. That that's what you started to renaissance, say. Renaissance man. And yes. that's what, when I think he, about Sean. That's that's the 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 words that come to mind. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um. So, and when I when I begin to like look at look at his life, and I and he 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 scored movies. Like he, yeah, he scored movies. He directed movies. So, um, Chef. Oh, wow. No, really? 
Yeah. So he created this genre of black film, right? Like, and he saved Hollywood. Like, no, like the Hollywood studio, he single-handedly saved Hollywood with these films. Um, so he did that. And, you know, he has all these different things that he was doing. And I, and I stepped back and I looked at myself and I said, hey, music was the stepping stone, you know, but to lead me to photography. Now, photography, you know, can lead me back to music, right? Like, so, you know, Swiss, you know, puts me in contact with the Gordon Parks Foundation. Right. Like, because he knows me, he knows that that's what I'm doing now. And, you know, that spins me full circle into something that, you know, had I not known him for music, it wouldn't have happened. Right. Like, there's no way I would have been able to connect those two. So, um, you know, he invites me to this 2012, uh, he invites me to, they do a, um, award, uh, gala, uh, every year in like may and he just invited me he's like hey you know we got this gala coming up you should come check it out you know i'm on the board of the gordon park foundation like all right cool now i just want to take you back because remember i said earlier you have to be present mm-hmm. to for things to happen i totally forgot about it right <laughs> so the day of the day of one of our mutual friends you know posts like a picture I mean, posted like the, the invite on um, Instagram and I see it. And so I DM, I'm like, yo, is that the day? He's like, yeah, you coming up? It's like a one o'clock, right? The thing <laughs> starts at like five in New York. I don't have a haircut. Uh, I'm at home with my kid. His mom's at work. And, you know, New York is two hours away, <laughs> right? On a good day. So everything stacked against me. So I was like, in my mind, I said, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go. I'll go next year. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, it might not be a next time. Like, it might not be a next year. So I'm like, I had to go back to my original mindset, which was, you know, you going to let a haircut, you know, because I'm about to put a suit on, right? I'm about to go into a gift. You going to let a haircut stop you? It's like, yo, somebody's paying attention to your hair. Like, you not have an haircut, they have issues, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's a, it's an internal thing. So, you know, these things that we create as roadblocks for ourselves are really, you know, blocking us from our, our blessing, you know, to be able to connect with something. So I, I literally, I called, you know, I called my son's mom. I said, hey, listen, I got to go to New York. I need you to come home. Right? She left work. She got there in time. I got dressed. I called my other cousin. He, was, he worked for Amtrak at the time. I need you to put me on the next train in New York. He said, all right, meet me down and put me on a train. I got there late, but I got there. Nice. I, I, um, I bought my camera. I took some photos. I kind of just kind of blended in. I didn't, you know, stand out. Or, I mean, make a scene. It kind of fell back. But I took a lot of photos. And um, I took those photos and I put them online the next day. And the day after, I get an email. And it's from the director of the Gordon Parks Foundation. Uh, her name is Di- Diana Refs. And she's like, uh, who the hell are you? I don't have you on my press list. Now she's, I don't have you on my press list. Who the hell are you? And how did you get on my event? Ah. <laughs> right? Because I was just like a plus 10. Like yeah, if he had right. a table. And I was just, <laughs> right, right. you know, I didn't have a name, right? So I wasn't connected to it. So, you know, I sent that email back and telling her how I got there and everything. He was like, your photos are beautiful. And I use them. 
Can we use it? Do you mind if we use them internally? And do you mind coming back? And the next year, I went back and she started to introduce me to people. Like, I, I met George Lucas. Like, when the hell would I? Oh, wow. Like, George Lucas. Like, when would I ever be in a room with George Lucas? <laughs> uh, Melody Hobson, uh, De Niro, um, oh, man, icons, man. Uh, Chelsea Clinton, she's not iconic, but, you know, she's there. Uh, Chelsea Clinton, um, you know, people that... Not many first kids out there running around. Yeah, so. not many first kids. So yeah, she's... Uh, uh, Janelle Monet, uh, so many... Spike Lee, uh, so many people that are... It's, I can't really sit here and name everybody, but, you know, they opened me up to a room, right? Like, that there's so many opportunities. Right. And it's now it's like, okay, well, how do you harness these? Right. And what's the next, the next phase of the next step for yourself? Um, uh, I met a, a photographer there named by the uh, name of Lau, Lau Oworko. And me and Lau, uh, have become like, you know, pretty cool. Um, he's most famous for his images from 9 11. Um, he shot the, the time, uh, life cover. Like he was like, his studio was like literally like 10 blocks away. The, the people falling from the building. Was that? Yeah. Was that, that's, oh, yeah, that's oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's his shot. And, you know, uh, he, he's somebody that kind of, you know, not kind of but guided me and has given me, um, you know, I've always been looking for like that, that mentor, you know, and whatever I'm doing. Most, most of my mentors are dead. I read a lot of books, because um, yeah, you know you you can't when when you're looking for new information, you you always got to find somebody outside of your know, your environment. If they're in your environment, you probably you guys are probably working on the same info, right? Like, so I'm always looking for somebody else to give me something. So you know, I started reaching in books, but he became like somebody that I can I can you know get info from. And, uh, you know, he, he told me, he's like, yo, you, you have to find your thing. Like, you have to find your thing within photography. Like, you know, doing what you're doing right now is cool, but I really want you to take time to figure out, you know, what your passion project is, right? And, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, those 9-11 images, I can't do anything with them. It would be tasteless for me to try to sell them, right? But to sell prints, he said, the, the most I can do is, like, kind of, like, donate them and, you know, like, my name's attached to it, but like, I can't do anything with it. So I have to, so he created this, he created this project called like, uh, uh the boombox project. He collected like boombox. Some, I don't know why he collected boxes, but collected boomboxes. He had all these boomboxes in the studio. And, you know, he showed me this project and he showed me, you know, that they were his passion. He, he decided to take photos of them. You know, he, took that and made that into art right like beautiful images of just a boombox something simple that and he turned that art into a story so the, the he made that boombox mean something so if you think about the time when the boombox was you know was big with mm -hmm. the 80s right yeah absolutely you had punk you had rebellious music you had punk and you had hip-hop right like he made the boom box mean freedom of speech, right? Like, and, and he tells a story and, you know, 
And so like ever since then, like I still do my, 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 you know, my studio sessions with clients and stuff like that. But right now my mind is set on trying to figure out what that project is. It, it hasn't hit me yet, but you know, just, um, getting that insight from, from Lyle kind of has my mind gone, gone that direction. So it's really interesting you say that because I, I actually thought you were going to say you found it because I've been looking at your images for several weeks now. And okay. um, my wife is a photographer. Okay. So it's, it's an art form that, that I've, I've learned as she's gone through it. And as she's grown as an artist, I've, I've learned along with it. And so I was looking through your photos and the first thing that struck me was the colors and, and the, the way you put the subject in the background. And, and I just, I saw these, these colors. And then, you know, I was going through and I said, okay, maybe, you know, color is this thing because, Sean, you really use color well. And it's, Thank you. you're very, you're very bold with your colors. And then, but then there'll be a black and white photo and then some color, black and white color. And I said, well, color, it. no, it's not color. And I, I, I went back and I started to look at the subjects that you worked with and excluding the, the, the toddler, the, the, the little tiny infants, right? Mm-hmm. I started to see you capture them at a time or that image looks so confident. And then I started to slide through every single one. And there was a strength coming through mm. the photo where I really felt like I touched something in that individual that was their most powerful moment. Mm. Wow. You've, you've just taken 90 minutes and really talked about the connection with people. And as you learned how to like connect with people and put this together and, and, you know, the lessons that you learned and the people that have touched you. And, and so then I, I, I now, and I come across, so I've, I'm, I'm learning this now, but I, I, through your art, there's some, and I was very interested, how do you get your subjects to, to share that with you? When do you know you have that picture? And then how do you decide to move so much out of the picture? I'm sorry, I, I, told, I totally get you. So, um, my, my, my photo session, so I work predominantly, predominantly with women, and it's not by choice. Guys just hate taking photos. Mm-hmm. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, look at us. Put a guy in a head, you gotta Put a guy in a headlock to get him in the studio, but um, we, we look terrible on film. Most of when most people think of a photography, they think of it from a a, a, a space of vanity, right? When photography, you no, know, there is documentation, no different than your birth certificate, or your social security card, or you, you know, your signature on your voter's registration, right? Is, is documentation that you actually existed, right? And the the beauty of it is is that um you know if done properly we can catch you at different stages of your life but we can actually document your growth right and everything in between but we only like to see ourselves in a particular light right like when we're at our, at our ideal weight you know we have the nice haircut and we're dressed a particular way that's when we want to take the photo we're not in that space we don't take the photo so, you know, my, my sessions turn into like, uh, you know, doc, I, call, I always call them Dr. Phil sessions, right? Like I literally have to have, you know, I'm on one side of the camera, clients on the other side. And the first thing that they do is they start to pick themselves apart about things that I don't like, had they not pointed out, 
I wouldn't be paying attention to it because I'm not seeing that when I, when I look at a person, I see a whole, right. I'm not looking at, Hey, you know, she's overweight or she's this or she's that, or, you know, like I'm not looking at those things. Right. Like I might see a, uh, you know, hair out of place. Something. I say, Hey, your hair is out of place. Right. But I'm not saying, Hey, you know, your face is asymmetrical. Right. Like I've had somebody say like, Hey, well, you know, my, the left side of my face isn't the same as the right side of my face. And, you know, and I started having these, these conversations where it's, you know, each individual male or female, you know, I don't really care about what perfection, you know, you, you think that you're dealing with or, um, what, uh, what you like about stuff, what you don't like about your stuff. Like you, 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 you're simply perfect because you exist, right? Like you, 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 you're beautiful because you exist, right? Like there's somebody that's not here anymore that if they could swap and take this photo, trust me, they would, right? In hindsight, they would, right? So, you know, and, and the, the other thing too is like for me, um, you know, the, the whole documentation thing is like the photos that we're taking for today, they're not really for ourselves, right? They're not for us. Like we'll probably look at our photos maybe once or twice, you know, maybe that week or, you know, maybe a month and, you know, every now and then. But these photos are for the generations to come, right? Like, so we can't, you know, and I'm not saying that some of my clients said, you can't be selfish and not take this photo. Like, you're worrying about your weight. Your, you know, your great-great-grandchild is not going to know whether you would, you know, 200 pounds or 100 pounds. They don't really care. When somebody says, hey, you look like your great-great-grandmother, they just need some reference. They need a visual reference, right? Like I, I, you know, I would always hear, "Hey, you look like your, you know, your, your great grandfather." Okay, what the hell does he look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have, I don't mm-hmm. have a visual, you know. So I, I, I try to, you know, build them up for that. And it, if you're seeing any confidence come through in the pictures, that's where it comes from because we have. It's almost every, almost every photo. Um, it, you know, it, it, it really, it, there's a force coming out of that image. Um, and I was looking on my phone, Sean, I wasn't even looking at my wife's beautiful monitor. Right. And, and the other thing that you do is, um, some of the photos, your subjects are looking right at me, but then there's, there's other, other photos where you have them looking off to the side and, and maybe that's, fun or, or uh, whimsical, but there was one striking photo and it was this gentleman who was black and white and, and you literally took him on a profile and it was one of the most powerful portraits I'd ever seen. But, and I knew it was posed. It wasn't like you, it wasn't like a, a, or a news photo. It was just so striking. And I wanted to know what was he looking at and, and, and why so confident um, and, and what he's looking at. And I was so drawn in, like, I really wanted to talk to him about, you know, was he looking backward? Was he looking forward? I couldn't tell. So I, there's just something that you've got there, Sean, that I can tell that, you know, I, why people want you to document them. So Mr. Williams came, he just wanted like, uh, he just wanted some portraits of himself. Um, he didn't really have an idea of, what it was. He's like, Hey, yeah, I just need some stuff for my business cards. And, you know, I think he was doing like real estate or something like that at the time. And, you know, he had this style about him that, you know, 
So the, the image that you saw wasn't the image he requested for himself. He just wanted a headshot. But because I had him in the studio, right, I had to pose him that way because, you know, it just felt right. Like, so for me, uh, photography, music, all of the arts, uh, you know, it's all about feeling, right? Like it should invoke some type of thought, um, some type of feeling that should remind you of something. Um, you, you should be able to, no matter who you are, you should be able to feel it. And he, I was talking to him and I kind of like went to the side and he like leaned forward and I said, oh, that's it right there. Like, I need you to do this, right? And I had him, you know, stick his foot up on a chair and lean forward and kind of lean into it and look out. Well, he's just looking out my window uh, of my studio. Like, he's not looking at anything in particular. I just told him to look straight. But, you know, I, I can't explain. To, so for me, like, a, a lot of times, like, trying to articulate um, what, I'm, what I'm feeling when, I, when I'm creating is difficult, right? Like, uh, some people are able to say, hey, you know, I, I did this for this particular reason. I did it for that reason. It's like, I just know that that pose with that outfit, with, you know, with him was perfect. It was. Right? Like, I know it would resonate it know, with, with people when they saw it. Um, so I, I, try, I try to go for that. Like, a lot of times, you know, when, when I'm working with clients, I give them... I let them get what they think they want and then I do what they need. <laughs> That's beautiful. Cause you're, you're the, you're the professional, right? And you know, as more and more people have camera phones and they, they think they know what they want, but, um, uh, putting that all together, I, I truly hope that you find that passion project, Sean, because listening to your music and then seeing your, your images, you know, clearly you're an artist of, you know, great talent and, and creativity. And I, I'm not saying that just because we're sitting on the phone together, like it's obvious and it's evident. And that's probably where a lot of your confidence comes from. But um, I, I'm so excited when you actually fully put yourself into something that you are passionate about. Um, I'm, I'm, ex I'm just excited, really excited about what it's going to be. And um, I can't wait to yeah, see it. Same, you know, same here, man. I, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been trying. Like, you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, Lyle told me he said you'll know it when it hits you, right? Like, don't, you know, try. I, I've tried forcing it before. Like, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna collect cameras and I'm gonna take pictures of cameras, right? Which is really <laughs> just a knockoff of right, the boomboxes, right. you know, of what he did, right? Is same thing, right? It's like, all right, anybody can do that, but you know. I tried it and it's like, ah, no, that's not it. Um, what, what I really want to do is, you know, I, I, I guess a passion project for me would be to get into, you know, my community and, and document, you know, well, you know, the community I grew up in and to document, um, you know, some of the things that's going on there. Now, with the climate in my city right now and just knowing, you know, I'm still within like, um, you know, we, we have a murder rate here in, in Philadelphia that's like, you know, 300 already. We're only halfway in a year, right? 300 plus half a year. Um, and, you know, I still kind of fit the description of these guys that's like, you know, getting caught in these situations, right? I'm still in that demographic and that age bracket. Um, so, you know, as, as much as I want to do it, 
right? Like, you know, I'm kind of, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, I have faith. I don't know if I want to roll the dice on this one because I, I understand, you know, like, what I'm up against, like, you know, when, when the riots and stuff going on last year, I didn't, I didn't get involved. I didn't go out there, um, as much as I wanted to. Right. But it's like, all right, well, there's plenty of people out there with camera phones and stuff like that, that can, you know, do that. Um, that's not the, the, the story I want to tell. And I don't want to get caught in that mix. And it's not fair. It's, uh, to me, it's, you know, it's, it's more like, uh, intelligence. I, I learned, you know, the concept of, you know, uh, risk and reward, right? Like where the, the, the risk, the reward has to outweigh the risk, right? Like, and you know, when I, when I, when I think about it, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Cause I, I have to, I would literally have to go into some of the, the, the worst areas of the city and, you know, try to befriend these guys and, you know, try to, um, you know, to document, right? Like, and I, I'm just not, I'm just not there at, at the moment, but that would probably be like one of the things that, um, that I want to, that I w- would pursue, but I'm kind of like on a defense with, I'm trying to figure out the, the safest way to do it. Yeah. Well, well Sean, I, I hope you take comfort in the fact that, uh, you know, you obviously have a track record of having a good barometer of, of what the right creative projects are to pursue. And, and like knowing and trusting yourself, not only as an artist, but as a business person, you know, and as you were talking, you just talked about your intelligence and, you know, that's what, that's, what's impressive about you is you obviously have emotional intelligence. Um, you know, I, I've known you all these years and, and, you know, kind and friendly and caring, you know, but you have creative intelligence that manifests itself in, in multiple ways, but you also have that intellectual intelligence and, and you are a renaissance man because you're reflecting upon things on multiple levels, you know, uh, that all kind of, you know, they're all you, but, you, but you're kind of weighing those things uh, collectively. It's impressive and, and very cool to see. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, the, the, one of the other things I look at too, Greg, is like, you know, and I'm not sure if uh, you guys ever view things this way. Like, a, a lot of times, like we, you know, as humans, I think that the biggest need that we have as humans is, is to be seen and heard, right? To make feel like we exist, like our time here matters, right? But, you know, I also tell myself, like, that, you know, I don't have to be the moral of the story, right? Like, there's, the world is vast, right? Life is vast. Um, a lot of things going on. I don't have to be the moral of the story. Um, if I could be an influence, like, if, uh, I always hear people say this, right? They'll say, I know my purpose, right? Like, I think to say something like that is extremely arrogant, right? Like, because your purpose might be just to, you know, walk down the street and shake somebody's hand on a particular day at a particular time, and that's it, right? It might not be this big, grand purpose, right? So, like, I'm... Uh, if what I've done so, so far has like, you know, influenced somebody to, to believe that, you know, they can have a, a dream and attempt to pursue it, win, lose a draw, um, you know, or they can start a business or, you know, create something like whatever it is, like, I, I'm good with that. 
at, at this point. Like, I don't have a desire to like be um, to to be famous. Fame, fame is weird. Like, I've experienced a little bit of it. It's extremely weird. I don't know how people deal with it. Um, but you know, I, I'm okay with like where I am in life. Um, as far as you know what i'm doing right like i i do want a project because i, I it's something that i want to do for myself right but it's like it, it doesn't have to you know end up being you know like a you know in a, in a moma or anything like that uh you know it's like it, it can be something that i can you know share with you guys share with you know my community my city um those that you know that that do you know enjoy what i do and I'm, I'm good with that. Um, yeah, man, I, I've learned as time, as I've gotten a little older, man, I'm just be a little bit more simpler, right? Like, make, you know, we, we, we all start out with like grand, you know, grand ideas of what success is and what, you know, um, where we should be at at this particular stage in our lives and all that. And, you know, success to me is just being able to do what I, what I love to do without anybody telling me that I can't, right? And being able to provide, you know, for myself and for my family. Um, I tell artists that now, like, like they, you know, somebody in the music business asks me, I mean, if somebody's trying to pursue, you know, music and get into music, I ask them a few simple questions, even in photography. I, you know, I'll say, like, hey, so what, what do you think I should do? I'm like, you know, well, how much money do you make right now? Right? And I was oh, well, I make, you know, $40,000. Okay, all right. And you're doing 40 hours a week, you know, you're doing this throughout the year. How many projects would it take you throughout the year to generate that, right? Like, what's your fan base? What's your core like, right? Like, if you have a core, if you have a core of, of 500 people, and you don't need a, a huge core. If you get it 500 people to spend, you know, $100 with you, you know, whether it's, you know, an album, a, a book, some merch, right? Like, and you know that those 500 people are going to tell, you know, at least 10 other people about you, right? So you're looking at about 5,000 people, right? If you could get all of them to spend money with you throughout the year, you have a career, right? It's not the, you know, the multi-million dollar career, but you get to, do, like to do what you love, what you want to do on your time with nobody, you know, telling you what to do or how to do it, right? Like, and there's a good chance that, you know, if you stick to it, right, I call it the boutique career, right? Like it's a boutique. It's not, it's not huge. You don't need a huge following to do it. Um, I'm, I might shoot, you know, 100, 200 people a year. It, it sounds like, you know, 100, 200 people, 365 days in the year, like not, not a lot of people, but they sustain me, right? Like. And that's all we really need or really want now if in a process of doing that, you put out a song and it goes, you know, sky, it, it goes viral and you become big and you become the next big thing. I'll clap it up for you, right? You're the one, right? But that's not going to be the case for everybody. But you still can have a career, do what you like or do what you love and provide for you. That's what I hear you saying, Sean. It's financial. It's artistic freedom. It's financial freedom, and that's that's freedom, man. So this has been amazing, Sean. It's uh, been too long since we've had an in-depth conversation, and 
I couldn't be, uh, you know, prouder to have you on our show and, and to, to call you a friend, man. So thank you, Sean, for doing this. Sure. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I appreciate you and I look forward to you know, hearing more from you guys. Sure. Thank you, Sean. Me too, Sean. This was great. It was yeah. so nice to meet you, to get to know you uh, a little more. And I, you know, know that I really appreciate your artwork and your photography is just uh, fantastic. And I hope everybody listening goes and checks it out because um, there is something to it that is uniquely you for sure. Um, and it's funny because the uniquely you part is bringing the uniqueness out of the individuals you work with, which is just uh, incredible. And uh, you said something er- early on that I think uh, uh, probably Greg and I really kind of have lived by, but I didn't know that. And it's um, work shows you have faith. And I think, you know, Greg and I have really, you know, both wanted to do this for a while. And, and finally, he and I got together and said, we're going to make this happen. And, and we're working at it, right? Mm-hmm. We're working at it. And we, we have a real clear vision and we have a real clear approach. And you were really inspiring me to meet tonight. Yeah, sure. Yeah, your approach and, and, and uh, you know, how you see things come together and then how you see how you fit in there. It was just super impressive. Thank you so much, man. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Find them moving swiftly Five steps ahead of the best So that's nothing Twenty steps ahead of the rest They left something in our face Not one not Can't stand frauds Ridiculous niggas Practice for the title hard Me pick up the litter I was born a bubble dog Born to change gang shit Born to stand guard Play games you left nameless Fame ball Promise that it's never painless Nigga depart Coming you can overtake The heat nigga let's start Strong as a stallion made You better dog And she feminine With pretty women friends All dimes Timberlands is how I like my men in all minds. Rough ride, you nigga, hard head, soft spine. Pass the word, must have stacks to cross lines. Come on! Don't want your dough, I don't want your car. Don't want your jewels, no, not at all. With the mother bros, you might pull it off. But not with me, sorry, but I got it all. Don't want your dough, I don't want your car. Don't want your jewels, no, not at all. With the mother bros, you might pull it off. But not with me, sorry, but I got it all. Chick, a nut is a nut, and they always keep an attitude till you butter them up. Since I ain't gotta buy you stuff, who gon' hold you down if they try to run in here and tie you up? Now, don't start flipping it, everybody know we've been had dough. Y'all just start getting it, money might make you wrong, but you still need a dog to take you home and make you moan. You ain't gotta see the bank for loans, all I do is party and bullshit like when Frank was home. And you got it all, boo, I got it all too. A four, five, and a six, and they all blue. And I don't care what she think If I offered you any ice love It'd be in a drink And instead of talking about what you got and all that Just make sure when I hit you that you call back Come on Don't want your dough uh, I don't want your car yes you do. Don't want your jewels No, not at Stop all lying. With the mother bros And you might pull it off But not with me, sorry But I got it all Come on Don't want your dough I don't want your car uh-huh. Don't want your jewels No, not at all yeah, right. With the mother bros And you might pull it off Hey yo, one touch and make a nigga blush on sight. Grown men create a crush, nails they buy. It's a game, try to catch me, but only if you can. Takes a lot to impress the bombshell to want a man. And it ain't about your dough, baby. Evie, alright. Cause if Evie wanna fly away, Evie take a flight. Evie hungry for a meal, baby. Evie get a bite. Be nice, and you might get to see your dad's side. 
that you got it all is more for me And I don't gotta pay for the puss, I score for free And the same thing I pulled on them, I pulled on you Come on now, how you think I pulled your crew? Got my own crib, so you can't kick me out I call one of your friends to come twist me out If you know Jada, then you know what kiss be bout Just for fun, I hit the bank and pull 50 out Huh? I, don't want you to, uh, I don't want your girl Don't want your jewels, no, not at all Sorry, but I got it on. Don't want you to. Uh, I don't want you to. Uh, don't want your jewels, no, not at all. With the mother bros, can you might pull it on? But not with me. Sorry, but I got it on. Don't want you to. Uh, I don't want you to. Uh,